You're listening to the Experience Matters Podcast, powered by Officium Labs. Each episode will focus on one challenge, talk to two experts, and offer three innovative solutions to propel you forward. It's the one, two, three punch to accelerate your customer experience results. Here's your host, Nate Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Experience Matters podcast. We've got a real treat for you today to incredible CX thought leaders, Kyle Ham, the VP of Customer Experience at Schneider Electric and industry thought leader, incredible author, Denise Lee John and keynote speaker. Welcome to both of you. Hello. Thanks, Nate. Happy to be here. Awesome. We have the topic, the topic, in my opinion of embedding culture as the backbone of your customer experience strategy, initiative, whatever you want to call it, your CX, it's going to be a make or break scenario on whether you're able to embed culture as the foundation of it. And there's nobody to talk about this uh, with, with more authority than these two that we've collected together. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in here. Uh, Kyle, would love for you to introduce yourself and introduce us a little bit to Snyder, if you would, please. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Again, happy to be here. Um, so I'm Kyle Ham. As you noted, I've been with Schneider Electric for about 24 years. Schneider's a global organization really focused on energy efficiency. Um, you may know us through a variety of our different brands, but you know, really started as a more than 100-year-old products company, mm. electrical distribution equipment primarily, and, and now you know, in software services, really in, in, in everyone's home and uh, really going through quite an evolution. Amazing. Amazing. Well, welcome. And also, Denise. Hello, Denise. Hi, Nate and Kyle. It's great to be with you. I am a brand leadership keynote speaker, writer, and consultant, and I'm coming to you live from San Francisco. Now, um, Kyle, I happen to know a little bit about Schneider Electric, and um, I don't know if everyone knows about the great work that your organization has done in terms of culture and employee engagement and employee experience. So, and I know that you recently actually gotten some awards for your work in that area. So please let us know about that. Hey, thanks, Denise. Appreciate the opportunity to brag a little bit about the company, right? So you're right. You know, in the last couple of years, we've been really recognized by organizations throughout the world as one of the most ethical companies in the world. Uh, best employer by Forbes magazine, most admired by Fortune. Uh, probably one of the ones we're most proud of is just recognized by Corporate Knights as the 2021 most sustainable company in the world, number one on the list. So, you know, obviously this is aligned to our brand value and our mission, you know, is to improve sustainability and to be thinking about climate change and how we can help our customers really combat climate change through the way they're using energy. Amazing. It's, it's always been interesting to me. If, if you're looking for an organization that serves its customers really well, generally looking at those lists of the, the best places to work, they're going to correlate so well. And, and a lot of that wisdom is, is jumping off uh, in Fusion. I, I remember reading Fusion for the first time uh, by Denise and, and just actually being frustrated. It, it was a conflicting time in my life uh, because I, I was inside of a great, a, a good company. It was a good company, had a good job, but, but so many of the principles were not happening. They weren't jumping off the page into reality for me. And, and it gave me that little bit of courage to, to leave a good job for a great company and a great job, which is here at Officium. So thank you, Denise, for giving me that push and that mentorship. 
hey, I'm happy to take the credit for it, but I'm so happy to hear about um, the jump that you've made. And I think that it does require people to, uh, achieving brand culture fusion does require people to take a leap of faith. So I'm glad to hear that you are on your way. Love it. Yeah, it just it feels like a very shallow pursuit. If if we're doing CX over here and in this this silo, this vacuum, but yet we haven't really laid the authentic foundation yet of of loving our people and creating something that they can then give. Your your verbiage, Denise, of of being able to give a true gift to the customer of the experience that they have. I, I just love how you say that. Well, thank you. Very cool. Well, let's jump in. We have uh, punch one. I forgot my punching glove, so I have my lightsaber dagger. Uh, but here we are. We are overcoming the foe of, of mediocrity here. And we're, we're overcoming this challenge of, uh, I, think, I think really what the challenge is to me, I mean, we have how to make culture the backbone of your CX. But what happens in my mind is, is the fact that everybody talks about culture, but nobody knows what to do with it. It's too mushy. It's too gushy. It, it's too empirical. How do we how do we bring some practicality to this to where culture can become a competitive differentiator? It can become an employee loyalty driver for us. And so that's why we love having Kyle here, uh, who really brings these principles to life. Uh, but Denise, would you kick us off with this idea of cultivate a customer first mindset? Yeah, well, um, I'll give you the first punch and um, say that in my book, Fusion, how integrating brand and culture powers the world's greatest companies, I talk about the need to align and integrate your external brand identity and your internal organizational culture. Mm -hmm. And part of that is integrating your customer experience and your employee experience. And the first step that I talk about in cultivating brand culture fusion is to ensure that you have a purpose and core values to guide your organization and everything that everyone does in your organization. And so, Kyle, I'd love for you to share about the core values at Schneider, because my impression is that they have they have really made a difference in how your people approach uh, customers with this customer first mindset. Yeah, thanks, Denise. You know, you're right. You think about the transition we've been undergoing now as an organization for quite a number of years in terms of being more of a products company to now services and software as well. Um, you know, you have to really begin to think about what are your core values and make those something that everyone can act on. So they can't be really complicated statements that are out there that are nice posters hanging on the wall. They got to be something that people understand. Your whole organization can kind of rally around them and be able to roll up your sleeves and take action on it. And, and you know, you mentioned customer first. That's probably our number one core value. As you're making a transition, as you're reshaping your organization, if you're not engaging and thinking about your customers listening to their feedback and really reshaping your organization based off that, that feedback you're getting, you know, you're missing a lot of opportunities, you know, to, to give you a flavor. The other of our core values are like, act like owners. Mm. So you're empowered. You're no. empowered to think about who you are as a leader, <clears throat> what the opportunities are and do the right things for our customers every single day, learning every day, embracing different and dare to disrupt. Right. One of my favorites as well. Of course, being the customer experience guy, I got to have customer first as my as my number one, you know, core value. But but I love dare to disrupt because I think they're so interrelated in terms of are we making the changes? Are we interacting for our customers? Are we yielding the value they expected? Do we understand their needs? Right. Wow. When you start from those perspectives, I think that's really how you can take it from a from a 
poster on the wall to turn it into meaningful actions that all all your employees in your organization can really rally behind. Yeah, and Kyle, what you're talking about is so important because the data that I've seen shows that this customer-first mindset is not something that is either A, like natural or intuitive, and B, is widespread among companies. Um, According to some of the data that I've looked at, 38% of customers say that the employees they interact with demonstrate that they understand their needs. So only 38% of customers feel like they're being served by people who understand them. And that number is actually quite high if you consider other data I've looked at, which shows that only 14% of employees say that their group or their department no. have a good understanding of customer needs. So, you know, these this ability to put the customer first really needs to meet is dependent upon employees mm-hmm. knowing what your customers want and valuing their their input and valuing putting their wants and needs as drivers for the organization. So um, what you're doing is is truly fantastic. Um, Now, when we were prepping for this conversation, you told me specifically about a program that you have with customer experience ambassadors, which I think is a great manifestation of how you're operationalizing this customer first mindset. So um, I'd love for you to tell everyone else about this great program you have. Yeah, you know, I don't know that Ambassadors was necessarily a Schneider Electric idea, um, but we've certainly grabbed the idea and really kind of run with it, I think, here of late and, and getting some recognition as such. So, you know, really the Ambassador program is to take people all across your organization, not just customer experience teams, but people in HR and sales and finance, all different parts of the organization, and really make them subject matter experts around how to understand voice of customer, how to be engaged in what that feedback tells us, how to drive improvement projects in their area. And so really it's a force multiplier, right? It takes the the team that I have, which is a finite team across North America and really explodes the size and reach. And really it's become an employee development program, right? Wow. So we're taking high potential, high talent, um, tend to be, in not all cases, but tend to be newer employees to the organization and gearing them up with this type of customer first mindset, tools and processes to support as well, with the hopes and that we'll continue to see them be promoted throughout the organization as the as the years go. So really, we're you know, I'm building an army out there of, of customer thinking people to infiltrate the entire organization. I, I think, you know, we have a we have very much a mindset around around customer first, but I think it's allowing those people to get that opportunity and to move very quickly. So it, it's an exciting program. And I think, Denise, you pair that with the persona program. So we're really, you know, we go to market through every channel. So some of your listeners out there, Nate, are, are thinking, well, you know, we're business to business or we're working with these types of end users. You know, I don't think that there's a distribution channel or a type of customer that we're not engaging with. That, that, you know, that, that's out there. So pretty much yeah. omni-channel, which means to your point, Denise, a moment ago with those rather startling statistics, right, is not all customers are the same and the value proposition and where they are in that, in that end-to-end flow and what their needs are need to be really understood. So you take an ambassador program and my customer experience teams and you pair that with a better understanding of customer personas, right, drilled into segments and customer types. And you can really begin to, tailor that experience for that given customer right? and, and really drive up how they perceive that they're being appreciated. Gosh, there's so much 
psychology here that is brilliant. I mean, you talk about the scalability of CX in a massive organization like Schneider Electric, and you're extending the work in such a meaningful way, Kyle. And, and I think even in small organizations, uh, we our CX professionals struggle with this, where we try to do CX on behalf of the organization. Yeah. yeah. And people look to us and say, oh, we got CX covered because Nate Brown's over there in that office over there. No, 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 no. I, I am trying to awaken that inside of everyone else. And so by the by you embedding and ordaining these ambassadors out there in the in the field, in the wild, and, and being able to act on behalf of your CX team, I, I just think it's brilliant. I love the in the wild thing. I'm sure yeah. it does get kind of crazy sometimes out there. It is wild. And and also too, I mean, just as Denise, as you were talking, thinking about the fact that it's not enough to hire good-hearted people. I mean, we, we need that. It starts, the, but then they have to be able to do something about it. Yes. It's, it's great if they have the mentality of, I want to serve this customer, but, but if they don't have the ecosystem around them and the capability to actually serve well, if they're not free to serve, then what, what happens and what happened to me is you become embittered. Mm-hmm. You become a detractor because you can't live out your own core values in the context of that organization. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Nate, you brought up something that I know may be a little bit controversial, but I, I know a lot of people talk about wanting happy employees. And certainly you, you, you want your employees to be happy, but you want your employees to be equipped and empowered and inspired to do great work. That, that's yeah. what at least all the data I've seen shows that people really want from their jobs. And so you do need to, to equip them. You need to give them the education. And, and so that's why I love this CX ambassador program that you have. Kyle, because you are actually giving people the tools and the understanding to go out and do great work on behalf of their customers. And, and um, that's, that's so that produces so much greater results than just employees who, you know, like your yoga classes and, and, you know, wellness grants or something like that, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love the exchange here. Right. I, you know, um, this sounds a bit a bit rough, but if you said in the wild, Nate, I can say it's a battle for talent, right? It's a war for Indeed. talent out there across all the organizations. And and to be honest, we want our disproportionate share of the absolute best. Of so, you, you know, by these types of programs, these types of training, development, empowerment elements, it's what allows us to attract and retain the very best talent that's out there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And th- this is the bedrock of great CX having the people that are actually capable of delivering it day in and day out. So once, once we get them in the door and we light that beacon to say Schneider Electric and or your company, you are this type of organization that is being selfish <laughs> in this area of, of recruiting and attracting the best talent that can deliver the best experiences. How do we foster them? How do we keep them? And that's really where we get into uh, ch- punch number two here is reinforcing every day with meaningful rituals, embedding them in every area at all levels. Kyle, take this one away for us. Yeah, rituals is actually one of my favorites. So as we were thinking about how do we measure our progression as an organization around customer first and around our customer experience, philosophies and programs and tools and mechanisms we were putting in place, you know, quite aggressively over the last few years. And of course, there will be professionals out there who are thinking about net satisfaction scores and employee engagement scores. And, and I, I fully support all of those things. But I wanted something a little different, a little bit 
Uh, I'm, I'm an engineer at heart, you know, and an MBA, but I wanted something a little bit different in terms of just how to measure that KPI. And so we started really focusing on rituals. Mm. So all of you have staff meetings and business reviews and different elements that you go through. And what we started saying is we want to kick off all of our internal meetings with a customer story. And so that can be something we're picking up from our voice of customer feedback surveys. We partner with Medallia. They've been a great partner with us. Um, so we have near real-time information flowing in on my mobile device every day. Nice. Um, and so, you know, kick off every meeting. So, you know, for us, traditionally, uh, a business review or a, a deep dive on a topic would start with a financial. Where are we in terms of our dollars? Now, that's a quick second. We're going we're gonna to get there, right? But we're going to kick off our meetings with, with customer stories and talk a little bit about um, where we could have done better, where we missed an opportunity with a customer, or maybe there was a success. And, and the successes I like to highlight are ones where they're calling out and saying a specific employee really did a great job taking care of us or understood our needs or resolved an issue for us or went that extra mile to take care of us. And so that, that's the second part of the rituals, which is really being able to certainly support, advocate, reinforce and recognize, you know, those great behaviors of our, of our own employees inside the organization that are working very hard to support our customers. And so, you know, those rituals are about that voice of customer, real-time actions. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you can tell, you can look to see, you know, are we, are we starting meetings? Is it in the agenda? Are, what's the users of our mobile apps in terms of voice of customer look like? Are people adopting it? Has it been growing at the rate which we would expect it? So I'm pretty pleased to say that I think we've made some some really fabulous improvement there. And and it's an evolution. Um, In the beginning, we only had a tendency to want to talk about good customer stories. But but the reality is you learn a lot more sometimes from those those neutral or those uh, detractors that are out there and understand how we could have done better. Well, what you've identified there is the correlation. That order order of operation is so critical because you're talking about the customer narrative. And then you're talking about the financials. Those two things are not independent of one another. As you do this, as you serve your customers well, as you establish brand consistency, that's how you open up the share of wallet. That's how you open up customer lifetime value. That's how you earn the right to grow, as as Gene Bliss says so well. I mean, these two things are combined. And when this is a ritual where you talk about the reality of your customer in the context of your business results, things happen in your employees' minds. Yeah, and you know, I think that, that that's so important um, to your point about engaging the employee. You know, it's one thing for organizational leaders to say this is what we believe, or you know, for the leaders to actually do things. But what's great about rituals, and I write about them in my book Fusion, and in, in the chapter about sweating the small stuff, because it yeah. is all the little things you do with employees far outweigh the big things that you say to them. And the reason why rituals work so effectively is because you are involving the employees actually in doing these rituals. So you're not just talking at them, they're actually doing them. And, and, and when people get involved themselves, that's when they really learn the importance of this and they, and they embrace the importance of it. And then they continue it on in their, in their work. So that's why something like rituals, is so powerful to then produce the kind of results that you were talking about, Nate. Oh, I, I feel like I had an example of a leader that I, I was attempting to work with a long time ago and, and could not grasp this particular idea. And, and this individual felt like CX would be one in a town hall meeting with an elegant speech. 
And like I, I was realizing that, no, you could knock that out of the park. But then as soon as that individual comes off the podium and starts to behave in a manner inconsistent <laughs> with the experience that we say we want to create for our people and our customers, that that battle is lost. It, it is the everyday integrity that builds the experiences you want to create. Yeah. And I had a similar experience working with one of my clients who actually wanted her organization to adopt a customer first mindset. Mm. And so she actually made it part of their goals and she really tried to weave it into the ethos of the organization, but she didn't help to change any of the processes or the mechanisms or the policies or, you know, reorganize people or, you know, create new programs. Um, you know, I think there was this expectation that if I say it, it will happen. It's like, no, this actually, you have to work at it. You actually have to take specific steps to make it possible. Wow. Yeah. It's hard work. And, and this is why it takes so long, I think, and why so many business leaders lose their appetite on CX transformation is because you don't get to take a shortcut here. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I always say that brand culture fusion is a journey. It's not a destination because oh. I don't think you ever really arrive there. Like, yes, you you will you know hit certain KPIs and celebrate your successes, but you will always continue to have to raise the bar because you know what? Customers' expectations are being elevated by the best companies in the world. And so, you know, just because you're great at something today doesn't mean that you can take that for granted. You're going to have to continue to work on it day in, day out, year in, year out. I, I love that the rituals reinforce that all of our employees from the top leadership through the organization means that they're quite frequently looking at voice of customer, right? Even if they're not in one of those types of roles, they're quite frequently looking at it. And what it starts to highlight is where things maybe didn't go quite as you had planned, right? And so, you know, we're a bunch of engineers at Schneider, a lot of engineers and, and marketing people. And so, you know, we, uh, we tend to think sometimes our answers are always in our own uh, definitions, documents and spreadsheets. Maybe that's an older term there, but, you know, to think about it from that perspective. And, but I think, um, I think we can also really fall victim to confirmation bias, right? Mm -hmm. Where this, this is what I think our customers said that they wanted. We've developed an offer, we've rolled it out and, and I get some validation of that. And that's all I want to hear. And I can walk away because I feel like I'm comfortable. And then, but when you're really listening, really listening, you understand we didn't quite hit the mark, right? There's some other way of kind of making this better. How can we differentiate ourselves versus our competition? Not just be the same, but be the best, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's what I love about this daily uh, interjection of this great voice of customer data is to figure out where you're almost there and just a little more work's going to make it really good at that point. <laughs> the best brands, yeah. right? Oh. And, and there's something magical. Let, let's get into our knockout punch here. Cause I mean, Kyle, I mean, you're tapping into some magic and, and this idea of being agile in your approach and being courageous because I mean, me as a CX leader, I feel like as I was navigating this role for the first time, my, my first true CX title, and as I'm meeting with the different business leaders, they, they'd be like, this is what our customers are saying. This is what you need to be recommending from a CX perspective. And of course, it's already what they want to be doing. It's already where the momentum is going. And there may or may not be some value to that for the customer. But I mean, this, this is a role, this job of CX is not going to be the role that you want to be in to make friends. 
Because you're going to have to be the one to come into the room and stand up for the, the reality of the customer when it is inconvenient, when, when you don't know it yet. And, and just be honest about the fact we do not have a statistically significant view of this overall customer journey. We cannot make a decision yet. We need to scale back. We need to take more time. That, that's going to be hard for an executive to hear, but, but it has to happen. And, and a lot of times it will come down to being agile and your ability to collect information quickly, to align yourself with the digital transformation efforts that are going on. There, there's so much here as we apply lean thinking into the area of CX, where we can accelerate our own results and be bold in our approach. What, what do you all think of this knockout punch? This is a big one, Nate. I think yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of elements in there, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what I love about being more agile and, and layering it into your approach is this um, is is the element of speed and being bold and being fast, right? Mm-hmm. So so we know our customers' expectations probably in all industries, all segments are higher and faster and more digital and and real time expectations on everything, right? Yeah. And so that's pretty high, pretty high bar, right? You've got to try to go work towards. So you know, I think um, I think this understanding customers' expectations and being close and listening allows you to start to challenge those processes that aren't aligned, that aren't going to go as, as fast as what we need to be able to move, that aren't uh, meeting all those expectations. You know, we kicked off our customer, agile customer experience design processes recently, right? So we're going to market with some, with some pretty transformational offers. And we got the customer experience team super involved from the beginning Good. And, and kind of avoided some of that confirmation bias and are really working with customers. And I think, I think CX, CX professionals probably ask questions in a different way um, than maybe our offer development people do in terms of, of, of expectations and how to differentiate yourself from, from the competition and what are your real needs and what's it like, what's it like out in the wild when you've got this challenge ahead of you, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, how can we better help you meet your customers' needs or, or put a solution in place that allows you to grow your business? So, so super, you know, I think this is super interesting topic, just the, agility and all the implications that go with that in terms of speed and um, meeting customer expectations are, there's a lot in this topic. We can probably have our own, uh, your own session on this. (laughs) Well, and actually, Kyle, one of the things that you had mentioned to me again, when we were prepping for this call is how, you know, what you have found is that like in the past, you would do focus groups with customers to try to get their feedback. But then, you know, by the time that you do the focus groups and you analyze the results and you figure out what you need to change, you know, so much time has passed and, you know, and so that's a kind of more of a backwards looking approach to CX development. Whereas it sounds like what you have put into place now is, is more, more agile, it's more forward looking, it's more real time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what's needed because things are moving so quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky, right. I, uh, I have a, outstanding team of professionals that that make our organization look great, make me look good, give me these opportunities. Um, but, you know, our uh, one of our other key leaders, Steve Detloff, he came to me a couple of years ago and he's like, you know, we're spending a lot of energy working on customer experience on the back end. We've got to design customer. Ex- I want to design experiences into the new offers. I like and that. I remember just kind of thinking like, I don't know how we do that, Steve. So, okay, let's, let's think about that, right? So, and, and, you know, just picked up the reins and started working with it until we were able to. And, you know, we're not doing a never offer, but the demand 
for input and support in this way is super high from our offer teams at this point. And wow. so certainly being rolled out globally now and well and well uh, received by the organization. And it's, it's exactly to what your point was, uh, Denise, and that, you know, maybe the traditional approach was to get some customer input and then 12 months later, show them a, a you know, a, a proof of concept and 14 months later, go to market with something, you know, and, and things changed in the, in those two years. Right. And so, you know, now what you see us trying to do is to bring sets of customers, different customers with different personas from week one to week two to week three, all the way through the process where they're guiding us and giving us input and helping us make trade-off decisions and, and really understanding what's valuable from the customer perspective. Um, the risk you have when you're a lot of really clever engineers is you begin to design products for yourself. You know, <laughs> you begin to design things that you think are really cool and clever that may not have always that great application out in, out in the wild. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really helping us stay really grounded with what our customers' expectations are and speeding up the process, no doubt. Yeah, and, and Kyle, what you're talking about or what, or what you've just said suggests or proves that digital transformation and becoming agile is as much about technology and changing process as it is about changing culture. Mm-hmm. You know, about getting people to understand that different approach is needed and to adopt, you know, this kind of moving forward quickly and maybe not having all, all the answers, but going out there with a prototype or a hypothesis. That's, a, that's a, again, going back to this mindset idea. That's, you, know, you need to make sure that you're changing and educating and inspiring people as much as you are implementing the actual tools and the technology that enable people to make those changes. Gosh. That's, I wish I could tweet all of that, but they won't let you because of the character count. But that there's so much wisdom packed into that statement right there in terms of making this a reality and embedding it into the fiber of the organization in a sustainable way. Uh, gosh, okay. That's exciting stuff. Why well, I think it's self-perpetuating as well, Nate, right? I mean, indeed. you're closer to customers, you're moving faster, your business is growing. Yeah. You get to keep cycling through new offers, new developments, better customer experiences, and it just repeats, right? So I think uh, it's it's in the same way that we talked about, you know, the employee experience going hand in hand with the customer experience. So if you have unhappy employees, uh, aren't aren't prepared to engage with those customers, don't know what we're trying to accomplish, don't understand the the customers' needs and expectations. I mean, what a what a frustrating job that would be. Right. Wow. Every day to try to engage in that way. So, you know, there's no doubt we believe that high and happy employees equals happy customers. So I think I'm a simple guy. I like to keep it simple like that, Nate. So. And w- when the harmony is broken, though, I, and this is one of the most terrifying things. I, I'd, I'd like to hear Denise on this. I, I think if your internal culture breaks, your, your customers aren't going to feel it the next day. But then uh, suddenly your brand experience is going to be compromised because it's become inconsistent with the reality of what's happening. And then your customer experience becomes confused. The consistency illusion is broken. And now all of a sudden people are, are wondering what, what the heck happened to this organization? They, they speak differently. They feel different to me. What is going on? But I mean, it could be a couple months before that cycle actually presents itself. I think, yeah, absolutely, Nate. Um, And sometimes it snowballs. So, you know, what at first seemed to be just a few chinks in the armor, a few cracks in the customer experience glass, 
and oh, we can kind of band-aid over that or mm. we try to make it up with great customer service or whatever. O- over time, it can really snowball into a real risk or crisis for your yeah. organization. So um, you need to be really aware of when those disconnects are are occurring or you know when the, you kind of get the sense of, wait, maybe we are a little bit off in terms of our alignment. Oh, and, and having having some kind of like pulse survey employee voice capability to where you can know that sooner rather than later and understand when an event in the organization has compromised the integrity of the experience you're designing so that you have an opportunity to identify it and fix it. The, the, the old school method of doing an annual voice employee voice survey, you have no hope. Of, of correlating that feedback to an actual single event inside of the organization. How do you fix it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I would add um, to be able to kind of pinpoint specific employee groups or where, mm-hmm. where exactly is the problem happening? You know, it might only be affecting certain pockets of people. Um, you know, the, the tools and the, the platforms are available now for you to have that precision of understanding. And you really need that in order yeah. to be, become aware diagnose and then fix the problems. And, you know, I'll give you the practical example too. It's, it's not always that maybe you walked away or you did an offer that isn't aligned with, with your values and what you're trying to do. It can be a merger and acquisition activity, right? Indeed. I mean, Schneider, we've largely grown over the last several years through a lot of acquisitions. And so, you know, there are some, some things that we're very flexible on in terms of what that looks like. Other things like that customer experience, uh, no yielding, right? We, it needs to be the same. Our customers need to have that same experience if they're engaging now with an acquisition or one of what's been part of the, the Schneider brand for a long, long time. So, but you know, this happens every day, right? So you have to always be cognizant of thinking about how are the customers being impacted and are you making it as seamless as you can for their experience? Uh, yeah, gosh, protect it. Galvanize that internal experience first. Uh, Simon Sinek, the circle of safety, build it, protect it. Uh, that That is going to be the way that you are able to succeed into the future when it comes to a customer experience perspective. You can't fake it till you make it with this. You've got to have that core enabled and protected or, or else ultimately the CX will fail is what it seems like to me. Great stuff. Well, so much here. Uh, you, you've learned from the, the top author in CX, uh, Denise, who has, has given us so many amazing principles in terms of how to build the best brands in the world. And you have one here with Kyle and with his amazing team and, and the reflection of, of this stuff coming to life with, with the incredible brand of Schneider Electric. Uh, thank, but thank both of you for what you're doing out in the wild. You're both incredible. <laughs> well, thank you, Nate. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Denise. Well, thank you so much, everybody. And until the next episode, make experiences that matter. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Experience Matters podcast, your one, two, three punch to overcome CX challenges. For more information on making experiences that matter, visit www.officiumlabs.io or connect with us on LinkedIn. 